You're listening to Spirit Grows Pesach Series. The first thing that we do at the Seder is we drink a cup of wine. We make Kiddush. And Kiddush means to sanctify or to make holy. And holy, like impure from the other class, is a very, very strange word. It's not a tangible product, holy. But if you think about it, holy is actually the term given for something that a person has attributed some value to. So by starting the Seder with making our wine holy and making the Seder holy, we're actually saying there is value to what's going on here. And we're looking for the deeper meaning and the deeper spiritual value within the food and within the context of the evening. The wine that we drink should preferably be red and should have an alcohol content. And there are many different reasons why. And of course, if you can't drink wine, you can always have grape juice. And if possible, just add a little bit. Because the alcohol content and the red wine are symbols of freedom. They're symbols of we can do. You only drink wine in a state of happiness. Unless you're drinking to drown sorrows, which is not something that we actually sanction or something that we approve of. Which means the only reason why you'd be drinking wine is to celebrate. We eat the matzah, and we've explored matzah as an egoless food, no hot air, no, no puffiness. And when we eat that matzah, that's what we have in mind. We have in mind that flat bread, the humble beginnings, the crunch. We are eating the food that is very, very similar to that which our ancestors ate 3,000, 300, 400 years ago. So the matzah is not only a memory, but it's a symbol that connects us with our very, very early beginnings. I want you to look at the Seder as a yoga position. Yoga is very much about contorting the body, as we explored in a previous class, and also having a mental focus. And therefore, as you eat your foods, and you're physically chewing, and you're consuming, I want you to have in mind certain ideas and allow them to become one. Both your body posture and your mental posture will make the meaning one with who you are. And let's explore the Seder plate as our position. The Seder plate is made in two different formations. Traditionally, either in a circle, where you'll start with uh, the shank bone all the way around to the egg, and you find the spaces for six different elements on the Seder plate. Or, another very common tradition is to have three and three, almost like two triangles of three points. We'll start at the top right. The top right is the shank bone. The top left is the hard-boiled egg. The shank bone is a roasted piece of meat, very commonly uh, a roasted chicken neck, and it's not consumed. It's just left there as a symbol to remember the roast meat of the Korban Pesach, of the Paschal lamb, of the, of the lamb that was sacrificed and eaten in groups on Pesach night. The egg is a symbol of the Korban Chagigah, the festive sacrifice that was brought on every festival. And the egg will be eaten at the beginning of the meal, after we've done much of the reading of the Haggadah, and after we've eaten some matzah and maror, the beginning of the meal starts with the egg. I just want to stop and explore the concept of sacrifices for one moment, because sacrifices have a very, very daunting and almost a negative connotation, the idea of killing an animal for something else. I want you to reframe sacrifice and call it barbecue. The sacrifices 
of Pesach night, of bringing the lamb. The lamb was killed, and it was cleaned, and it was roasted, and then it was eaten in a chabura, in a group. It was just sitting around, eating meat, maror leaves, and matzah, and speaking about Pesach. The reason why we call it a sacrifice is because a carbon, a sacrifice, basically means that it has an attributed value. It's got a value just like we said about the wine, kiddush. It's been made holy and we've paid recognition to the fact that there is something special about this lamb. And basically we do this with all our food. In all food we say there is something special about food. We recognize the soul within the food. And so when we're consuming our food, we're not just eating an animal or just eating a vegetable. We're eating a soul and connecting it with our soul. And therefore we don't overeat. We don't want to abuse the soul latent within other, pro uh, in other things in this world. And so when we eat it, it's not just to fill us up. It's to connect. Use the energy of that food for something positive. It's actually an act of mindfulness. So when you do eat on the Pesach night, and when we eat that egg, do think sacrifice. But don't think slaughter. Think soul. Recognizing the deeper essence of the food that's being consumed. Turn it into a holy experience. An experience in which we are saying everything has value. Everything has a divine energy. Everything was created with a precise purpose. Imagine how focused life would be and how respectful we would be if we constantly were conscious of the spiritual value and the essence that that the Creator put into every single one of us. We would have the most immense respect for everyone and everything. So there are our sacrifices, the Karban Pesach as well as the Karban Chagiga. In the middle of the Seder plate, you find the Maror, and directly beneath it, in the lower triangle, you find the Chazeres. Maror and Chazeres are usually um, romaine lettuce leaves, or some sort of bitter lettuce. Other people have the tradition of using horseradish, but predominantly lettuce is the preferred. Although horseradish is far more potent and makes people cry, and it's a lot more fun to watch other people eat it, and although it is more bitter and sharp, it's actually lettuce that's the preferred for maror. Now, the lettuce and the chazeres, the maror and the chazeres, the lettuce and the horseradish, is to symbol something. But I'm going to talk about the lettuce more than the horseradish. They're both there to remind us of the bitter times. That is what it's all about. We eat the maror to remember those bitter times. But if we take a lettuce, the outer leaves are usually crunchy and sweet. And it's only as you get closer to the root of the lettuce that you actually taste that bitterness. So I'm going to flip this whole bitterness around. Within every person, there's a root. That root is our soul. The soul does not live the same enjoyment that we live. We, our body, our conscious outward self is green, we're crunchy, we're sweet. Life's not that bad. But the soul does not view life like that. Every day that the soul is not placed in a position and is not schlepping the body along for a deeper spiritual ride of deeper meaning and higher consciousness, without living with purpose and drive every moment of the day, the soul is bitter. The soul comes from a very, very high space, a space in which it is consciously aware that it almost does not even exist. It's almost like a flame in a bonfire, just radiating light, warmth, heat, constantly consuming and constantly providing. 
It almost does not exist unto itself, but is only a means to something else. And it realizes that its source is not itself. It has no ego. It has no understanding of self. If we were in touch with our soul, every moment would be a moment of consciousness and awareness of the spirituality that we spoke about when talking about the holiness of wine. And so every moment of our life that we're not spiritually conscious, every moment that we're not doing things for a higher spiritual purpose, every day that we are more self-centered than other-centered, every moment that we think that the physical world is all there is and that there isn't anything possibly beyond, the soul's embittered. So the maror is very much a symbol of us being in Egypt and us being enslaved. But that wasn't who we really were, and that's not who we really are, and therefore we didn't enjoy it, and therefore we were bitter. So too the story of our soul. On the bottom left, in our lower triangle, so we've made our top triangle of the bone, the egg, and the lettuce. Now in our lower triangle, which the bottom triangle has the chazeres in line with the maror, on its left is... Um, or this might be your right, whatever. On the left of the lower triangle is the carapace. Traditionally, carapace is a small piece of potato, or an onion, or parsley. But there are obscure customs, and in different Hasidic circles, other things have been used and have been known to be used, such as strawberries. Now, I wouldn't recommend you use strawberries as your first and foremost. This is a tradition that some have, and there is the understanding already of others. And I've heard of bananas and other things. And that's because, although they seem like fruit to us, the blessing on these things is bore priyadama, symbolizing that they are actually considered vegetables, not fruit. But that's not for now. I just want to put a couple cool facts out there. The carapace in itself is not much. It's a potato or an onion. And the main thing, though, is that it must be dipped into salt water. Bing, bing, how do you make salt water? Well, you take salt and you add it to water. Back to the carapace. What we do with the carapace is we dip it into salt water and we eat it. The potato is only a means of getting us to the dipping. It, the dipping in salt water has two different meanings. The salt water symbolizes our tears, the tears that we cried in our slavery, the tears of pain. But there's another salty product that features in a, the, the Exodus story that has far more positive connotation, and that's the sea. The salty sea split, and we pass through in order to get to a state of freedom. Which means that the very salt that makes something salty and we don't like, such as our tears, can also be our redemption, can also be a symbol of hope. Every challenge, every time we are dipped into salt water, realize this could be a negative experience or this could ultimately be the major growth experience that will forever change our life, a defining moment. Embrace challenge. Don't cry and feel sorry. Feel the pain, but realize that if you're going through it and any challenge we go through, is actually an opportunity for us to rise because the soul will get us through it. We would never be placed, according to the greater me metaphysical explanation of this world, according to the rules of Kabbalah and Hasidut, we would never be placed in a challenge that we cannot handle. That may not make challenges any easier, but it gives us the confidence that we can outgrow and overcome anything. And if you look in our history as a nation, we have. It doesn't see, seem obvious at the time, but look at hindsight. Are you alive? You can make choices. I can make choices. We can overcome. Bring it back to the soul, though. If the potato is the soul, 
It is being immersed into that challenge. And although it cries, the soul realizes that it wants to be here. It wants to be in a body of distraction. It wants to be in the physical world because ultimately it will never get to cross a sea. A sea will never split for it unless it goes through the journey and the work of the physical body. And that's why the soul doesn't leave us. The soul stays with us because it on one level wants to cry. It on one level wants that pain of hard work because ultimately it knows that hard work is what will reap true benefits. It says that the soul comes into this world for one purpose, to create change through our body, but as a result of that, it itself has changed, and when it returns, at the end of life, it returns to a higher level than where it began. It's a Yerida L'Tzorech Aliyah. It's a downturn in order to have a much greater rise afterwards. Opposite the Karpas is the Charoset. Charoset is traditionally made with wine, apples, and nuts, crushed, made together until it makes a thick mush. And yes, mush is a rabbinic term. A thick mush that symbolizes mud. It symbolizes the bricks, the cement that the people had to make and use and that babies were actually buried in by the Egyptians in order to kill them. And that is the mush that we eat. We eat the mud of our pain. And we remember that. But... If you were making a mushy, cement-like food that was there to symbolize pain, why would you put wine and apples and give it such a sweet, beautiful texture? There's something very, very deep here. Our enslavement and our pain did come in the form of bricks and mortar and heavy work. And yes, many people died. And yes, we were downtrodden. And yes, it was painful. But it's up to us how we would like to taste it. We can be put through any challenge and any torture, but ultimately they cannot take our taste away. They cannot take our inner senses away. No one can remove our choice of how we will respond. We can't change the fact that we are put through situations. Situations are inflicted upon us, positive and negative, and there's nothing we can do about that. Sometimes we can create a scenario to protect ourselves, but ultimately, when a challenge comes along, there's nothing we can do to stop it. The only thing we do have is our free choice of how we'll respond. And we have chosen to respond to slavery, and we have chosen to respond to the pain that our people have gone through, and we choose to respond every day of our life to any challenge with sweetness. Deep down, we can do that. We can find that inner strength to turn everything into a sweetness. And the way we turn everything into a sweetness, the way we turn everything into a positive, is by having that positive focus, like I said about the karpas, that we are going through this because it will strengthen us. Why? We have no idea. And nobody has the right to ever tell someone why they had to go through something painful, something uh, um, uh, that, that, that has hurt them. There are no reasons. But the choice of response is ours, and we can always respond on a positive, in a positive way for ourselves. And ultimately, we can make any bitterness sweet for ourselves. Because if we overcome, and if we outlast, that's sweet. Not the revenge. The fact that we have proven that we can overcome any challenge. So really, the Seder plate, although it is all about the slavery, and it is all about remembering... It's really all about the positive and how we overcome. It's really the story of our soul. 
our neshama, our nefesh. It comes into this body and is enslaved to a world of distraction of physicality where we're constantly bombarded with hard choices that usually do not carry much spiritual connotation. And we struggle to be able to find deeper meaning in a day-to-day life, especially when life's rough. But the soul says, I'm happy to go for it. I agreed to go down into this body. I want to be you, and you are me. The soul and the body are one, much like a chariot and its rider. The rider goes nowhere without the chariot, and the chariot goes nowhere without the rider. And so, this fusing of body and soul is celebrated, and our hard work is celebrated. And the pain that we go through is a conscious decision to be positive because it will ultimately help us rise. And so when we get to the end of the Seder and we've gone through this growth, we eat one last piece of matzah, the afikoman. The afikoman, mind you, is actually from a Greek word which means save for last. And the afikoman is that last piece of matzah that we eat that we've drunk our wine and we've eaten and we've shared and we've had each other's experiences and, 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 and company. But one last thing, realize the matzah within us. One more piece for the road. One more piece to keep us straight until next year. Ego abnegation, food for the soul, and then that final cup of wine, that sweet wine, or that pleasant wine, celebrating our ego abnegation. Not I'm celebrating, but we're celebrating. And by celebrating, we can truly sing L'Shana Habar B'Rushalayim, that in the year to come, we'll celebrate in Jerusalem. Ir Shalem. The root of Jerusalem, of Yerushalayim, is Ir Shalem, the complete city, the city of peace. And if we do come out of our Seder, having grown, if we do come out of, out of our state of recognizing the spirituality and our soul, connecting with people for the next year and connecting with our food for the next year and recognizing something greater than us, then indeed we will merit to go to the Ir Shalem, the complete city, the whole city, the city of peace. And not only will we, but if we play our cards right, the whole world will become a peaceful place where all people will live together in a deeper recognition of something greater and working for something greater than ego, working for something greater than self, working for something greater than Pharaoh. We will be working to bring about a conscious spirituality.